Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Awesome. Hey, if you're new uh, with us and you saw the video and want to know more about who New Vision is, join me next Sunday uh, after church to hear a little bit about who we are and what it means to be a part of the family. We always look at it this way, guys. If you're here for the first time, man, we just ask you to give us three weeks. Give us three weeks here at New Vision. If New Vision is not the place for you, then we'll help you find a place for you. We want you into the kingdom. We want you to be a part of a community of faith. I mean, that's important to us. I think number two, guys, if you've been here for longer than, you know, six months or whatever, it's kind of like you come as a guest and become a, fa- a friend. Like, we're getting to know you. But we want, the third, we want to be a part of the family. And there's a way you could be a part of the family. What does that mean to be a part of the New Vision family as he looks at what our mission is, who we are as a church, where we're from, what we do, and why we do what we do. So if you're interested in that, join me um, uh, next week. Uh, we'll meet probably in the big city area. We have some things we want to show you uh, if you want to be become a member of New Vision and, and be a part of that. Amen. Hey, turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the second chapter um, this morning. I know Pastor Mark finished off chapter one uh, for me last week. And uh, as he talked about gathering up the disciples and looking at Nathaniel and, and Andrew and Peter and James and John. And my, my sermon title this morning is called Solving Problems. Man, life is filled with one challenge after another, would you say? Uh, life is filled like with, man, I just got through one storm. Now I feel like I just got out. Now I'm going back into another storm. It's filled with problems and challenges and difficulties and, and, and things like that. Um, I remember um, just, this must have been about a month and a half ago, I was driving Julie's car and the engine light came on. Like, man, this is a brand new car. It's like a 2018. Why, why is the engine light coming? That's a brand new car. And so we couldn't figure it out. So I took it into the mechanic and, you know, with the cars today, everything's electronic. And so what they had to do is they had to hook up this thing into the car to read what the electronics are going on. And, and the guy's saying, well, I don't understand why the, the engine light on. We're going through all the systems. And I can't see anything. Let's, let's reboot it and see if maybe it just needs to be rebooted. So they rebooted it so the engine light come on. And so when I start, and they go, just drive around and if anything happens, bring it back. So he, he, he did that and I started to start. And as soon as I started up the car, all everything, all the bells and whistles, engines light, you know, like went on the, you, you, you need new tires, whatever, everything just kept flat, change oil, like all the, everything just started going haywire. I'm like, hey, I talked to my, hey, look, look what's going on, this is crazy, you know, and, um, and so he goes, okay, you just got to leave the car, let me, let me figure out what it is. So we left the car, for a couple of days later, he, he calls me, he goes, hey, the car's fixed, we figured it out. So I said, okay, so we, we, I go get, pick up the car, and sure enough, he says, this is the craziest story, I want to show you some pictures. He goes, the reason why your light came on is for some reason there was a rodent that got underneath your car and ate through some of your electrical wires. And he showed me his pictures of what it was. And it's like, so that was affecting your electrical and we were able to replace it and, and do all these different things. And I'm like, that's crazy to me, man. There's, there's a rodent running in my car. I'm sure my wife would love to hear about that. You know what I mean? You know, we, we experience all different types of problems in our worlds, personal, large, and small. We know there's, we, we face sometimes face emotional problems or financial problems or ethical and moral problems. You know, and uh, it seems like even these moral, ethical, just eating away at our culture, eating away at our, our society, just there's something spiritually gnawing away at the fabric of our society. And so what I'm hoping to accomplish today in the midst of looking at even our own difficulties in life, how do we address those problems in our life? How, how do we work through difficulties in our life? And I think we're going to be able to see that in the wedding of Canaan, as there we're going to see Jesus is the only one that could fix the problem that was going on at this wedding. And I, I believe Jesus is the reason that he's going to be able to fix some of the things that we're dealing with today on how we handle our problems. So we want to look at that story. We're, we're continuing, continuing this sermon series called Belief. I, did you like the trailer? I don't know, you know, if you caught it, you know. For those who watch Netflix, Stranger Things, you know, I, hope, I, I don't know, for some of you that sci-fi guys, that came from Stranger Things series and stuff. But uh, we're going to continue the sermon series called Believe. Uh, and it, really, this is the message that John is bringing through the whole gospel. The, the, the word gospel means good news. And, and when we believe upon him, well, that's good news. 
And so he's drawing people to believe. He's, he's beginning to introduce. We already did chapter one where we, we begin to see who Jesus is. And we saw the titles of Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who, who takes away the sins of the world. And, and he's, he's drawing people in. The author's drawing the people in to believe who Jesus is. I, I can only imagine that uh, John is writing with that thought in mind that we would believe. You know, we're looking at this miracle this morning, the miracle of Canaan. And if you go all the way to chapter one, he, there's an interesting statement that John writes. Speaking to Nathaniel, he says this in verse 30, verse, verse 50. Jesus answered and said, and because I saw, I said to you, speaking to Nathaniel, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? And you will see greater things than this. I hope you caught that in chapter one because that leads into chapter two. He says, you, you, you believe in me because I called your name out, Nathaniel, by a tree. I called out who you were, but greater things are coming. I think sometimes God will bring greater things in our life because greater things are coming. Bigger things are coming. Mightier things are coming if you believe. And we're going to see that here. And so we're looking to look at this story this morning because he's going to begin to lay out these signs. There's about seven signs in the Gospel of John. We looked at kind of the seven titles last week of who we saw. Now there's these seven signs, and this is going to be the, the first sign. Why is that important? Because Luke, the author of the Gospel, Luke of the Gospel of Acts, writes this. He says this in Acts chapter uh, 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. L listen to what I'm saying. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you also know. He's saying God did these miracles to prove who he is, yes. to show himself real and to show himself true. I think God still does that today. I think of the Hyden family who the doctor said, no way can Amanda have a baby. There's no way. But God is a God of miracles. And she sits here today with her little one. Because we have a miracle-working God. But we must believe. And so we're going to see that in the story. So let's look at the story this morning. Chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 2. Because on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of the wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Mine hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there was set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from, but servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests are well drunk, and, and then the inferior, you could have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifest his glory and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Father in heaven, we pray this morning as we just enter into look at your word. Father, we're asking that you would speak to our hearts. So Father, give us a listening ear, an open mind, and an open heart. Now, Father, you have a word for us this morning by your spirit, because your spirit still speaks. And we pray your Holy Spirit would speak this morning. Father, I don't know where people, I don't know what problems they're facing. I don't know what challenges they're going through. I don't know what obstacles they have to overcome. But I believe your word will speak into those things this morning. And so we thank you. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. I just want to look at a couple of things this morning as we talk about problem solving. Number one, problems are to be faced not ignored. Problems are to be faced, not ignored. And we see that in the very first four verses here. I love doing weddings. Weddings are a beautiful thing, right? And, and for those who are engaged, they're going to be married. You have this, you plan this great wedding and you want it to be memorable. You want it to 
be all that in his business. It's like, it's like the woman's day, you know what I mean? Guys, I'm sorry, but this is the woman's day. This is what she'd been dreaming about. She gets to plan it. You kind of go for the ride, right? You kind of speak into it a little bit, but this is her day. But you know, when you plan weddings, there's always something that might come up that just goes haywire, right? There's always a problem that shows up. There's always something that just doesn't work out. I always, when I give counsel to the people that I'm going to marry, say, the day of the wedding, guys, enjoy the wedding. And if it goes crazy, hey, don't worry about that. Just enjoy the day because something's going to go crazy. The, 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 you know, the, the pastor might show up late. The groomsman didn't catch his flight, right? There's a lot of crazy things that can happen at weddings. It could just go haywire. We see something happening at this wedding here that's gone a little hard. They miscalculated enough drink for the wedding. There's a miscalculation of supplies for this wedding, and only Jesus can meet this need, Right? But I always believe that problems are doors to miracles. Difficulties are doors to miracles. Difficulties are things that God allows life to see how God can work in our life. And so how do we respond to these things? Huh? Some of us might just panic. Some of us might shut down. Some of us are worry wars. We don't know what's going to happen. But I believe that here, we're going to look at some things of how we can address some of the problems. Here's, the, here's one of the things we talk about. We can't ignore it. We have to face number one. You know, facing, our, facing the realities uh, of our problems. We have to, first of all, acknowledge that there's problems, <laughs> right? We can't hide it. We can't be like the ostrich that buries his head in the sand. We have to acknowledge that there's a problem. Look at verses 1 to 3. On the third day, there was a wedding of Cana and Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, let's deal with the problem, okay? They ran out of wine, right? Now, let's, let's give some context of things that's going on to the story here. Uh, Jesus has just been introduced. We go into chapter 2 where there's, they're in the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're in a place called the Cana of Galilee. This is about five or six uh, miles from Nazareth where Jesus grew up. Remember, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. This is it's the hometown of Nathaniel. We got introduced in chapter 1, right? He's the one that gets said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's Nathaniel that we read about here, uh, and we find that, Right? It's here that Jesus, in this obscure town, we don't, some people don't even know where it is. Some people just say, like, we can't, it's, in history, we haven't really figured out where this town is, but it's by the Sea of Galilee. It's an obscure town. But it's the town where Jesus is going to do his first miracle. And I, I think that's very interesting because you would think, here's God in the flesh coming, and you would think he would come in all pomp and circumstances, riding in a white horse with his posse. No, he's showing up at a wedding, and he doesn't really want people to know that who he is yet. And so his first miracle is in the shadows. His first miracle is on the lowdown. He's not having all the paparazzi showing up. You know what I mean? He's going to show who he is because that's the humbleness in the heart of God. God has an agenda. He has a plan. That, that's, how he, that's just how he rolls. This is just how Jesus, Jesus starts serving in the shadows at the beginning. Some of us just need to serve in the shadows. Some of us just need to say, I'm just going to love my neighbor. Nobody else needs to know that I just love my neighbor. Nobody else needs to know what I did. You know what I mean? He says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand goes. He says, you're just serving me. And that's kind of the context of the, the place where Jesus is going to do his first miracle. Who's invited? You have Mary. You have Jesus. You have the disciples. Now, not all the disciples there because they haven't been chosen, but six of them are there, right? In J Peter and James, John, Andrew, Nathaniel. There's these disciples that are there. They've been invited. The mother of Jesus has been invited, right? Jesus is often invited to special occasions. occasions. He's often invited to parties. And Jesus loves to socialize, right? He got blasted for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. We, we know that in the scriptures, right? He never spoiled the fun. Come on now. Yeah. All right? He never spoiled the fun, right? He always capitalized on it. That's what he did. I remember when I first got saved. Now, for those who know me, I, I, I kind of would, I was, I, I'm a troublemaker when I first got saved. I was getting, and so I used to go party with my friends, used to hang out, do that. And I first got saved, I just stopped going to the parties. I just went there and I sit in there and they're all like, B, why aren't you drinking no more? Why aren't you smoking no more? Well, I don't do that no more. What? You know what I mean? And, and like, so then, because I'm just, and I'm not blasting the for it. I'm not telling them, like, you guys are a bunch of drunkards, go to hell. Blah. You know what I mean? Not like that. I'm just, I'm just, I was just chilling with them. And they're like, well, what's going on? Why, why don't you do this? No. And I just share the Lord with them. Just talking about Jesus hanging. I think Jesus often did it that way. You know what I mean? He, he wasn't here to throw the stones at him. He was here to love on him. 
to share who he was, to share what he's all about. And so he's at this wedding. He's not, you know, being, being, you know, just coming down on the party, right? But it's the first sign that will take place at this wedding. We find it interesting that Jesus' first miracle is at a wedding because we know in scriptures he referred to as the bridegroom and the church is referred to as the bride. It's at a wedding that Jesus begins to show himself to the servants here, right? But I think it's also Jesus very much knows the institutions of wedding and that God instituted wedding, instituted marriage, instituted those very things. That was ordained by God. And so this was a special place that he was going to show because he knows that if the wedding and the marriage is not founded on Christ, if Christ is not invited into the wedding, if Christ is not invited into the marriage, it ain't going to work. In fact, remember in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle writes what? He says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for the church. There's a sacrificial love that went on for that. And so he knew the importance of weddings. He knew the importance of marriage and that this family would invite Jesus to be in that marriage and in that celebration was crucial. May we as God's people and our families always inviting Jesus into our families, into our marriages, that he would lead those very things because without that, you're going to face a lot of problems, a lot of conflict there. But we're going to begin to face our problems. I said, we can't ignore it. A wedding in that day would last a long time. In fact, probably could last up to a week. I mean, we, we, we have parties in our culture. We have a reception and then they go on the honeymoon and we never see them again, maybe until a week later, right? Not, not in the Jewish culture. They partied in the Jewish culture. It would be a long week. It'd be a, a, a time where even the, the bride, you know, they get married and they would party and they have all these different things going on here. In fact, because of the story of Mary coming to Jesus saying they ran away. They may even believe that Mary might have been one of the hosts of the party because she knew of the problem. When you go to parties, you don't know what's happening behind the stage, right? You don't know, you don't, you don't know what's happening with the catering. The head of the catering is like, oh, we've got more food here. We don't know what's going on here. You don't know that the party, you're just celebrating. But Mary knew what the problem was, and so she wanted to not ignore it, but wanted to address it. So some thought maybe she was maybe the host of, of this wedding. But the problem here was that they were running out of wine. In fact, wine in, in, in uh, that culture was symbolic of joy, celebration. It was celebration of life. That's what wine was at that time, right? And, uh, you know, some may not think, hey, running out of wine is not a big problem. But in that culture, it was a big problem. To fail to provide for the guests would be a sign to fail to provide for the marriage. In fact, if they didn't have enough for the guests for all week and the wine and the food, uh, they, they would kind of be blackballed. Right? It would be a problem. And uh, it would almost bring a social disgrace to the family. And so we see here, part of us, guys, when we have problems, we face problems, we have to acknowledge the problems. That's why marriage is, that's why marriage is acknowledging there's a problem in this situation. We can't ignore it. You remember in 1 Kings chapter 17, it's, you're familiar with the story if you grew up in the church, the, 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 the story of David and Goliath? But I'm not really focused on the story of David and Goliath as much of what was happening prior to David getting there. You remember what was happening? The Philistines were on one side of the mountain. Israel is on the other side of the mountain. And they had a giant named Goliath. And he would come out every morning and he would just mock the Israelites. And it says they were afraid. And they were hide. And they were just like every day, 40 days, this giant would come out and just basically cuss at the Israelites. You dogs, you da 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 And they didn't know what to do. They were mobilized. They were afraid. They were even ignoring it. They didn't know how to respond. They just lacked it until little David came, right? And so like, who's this cat? You know what I mean? And then God anointed him to, to defeat Goliath. But they were beginning to ignore the reality of this giant. Maybe there's some giants you're facing that you can't ignore. It's in your face. It's mocking you. It's bringing you down. It's bringing harm. But you can't run from that. It's there. You got to deal with it. You can't ignore it. And so we see here, there was a problem of this cultural problem of wine. They couldn't ignore it because it could bring hardship and disgrace upon this family. And Mary here is bringing this to Jesus. I love that about Mary, right? I love that. Look at the concerns of others. So then we can't ignore it. Here's another thing about not ignoring it is, guys, once we acknowledge it, we now got to press into Jesus with our problems. 
We got to press into Jesus with our problems. Look at, look at verse three, B and four. And, and the mother Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. First of all, I want you to see here, Mary's bringing something to Jesus. She's bringing the problem to Jesus. They have no wine. Guys, when we press into Jesus, we press in by prayer. First of all, we press in, you know, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what to do next. The Bible says when you lack wisdom, ask and it will give you wisdom. God, I, I, there's, I'm facing, this is the reality of my problem. I'm seeing it. Lord, I, I, I'm pressing my prayer. How do I deal with it? How do I handle it? God, give me wisdom. Give me instruction that I may be able to be able to kind of narrate and navigate through this problem that I face, right? Because you have to understand that there's a battle going on for you. It's internal, it's external, and it's eternal. Come on. Did you, do you hear that? There's battles within, there's battles without, and there's battles beyond. Because it's spiritual. And we face these battles every single day. We cannot battle uh, physical battles against spiritual battles. That's why it says the weapons of warfare are not carnal, carnal for bringing down strongholds. Guys, when we battle, we can't battle in the flesh. We have to battle in the spirit. That's why prayer is so important when we're dealing with our problems is we got to bring them before the Lord. I love Paul the apostle when he, there was a problem in Thessalonica about anxiety, about worry, about stress. It says this, be anxious for nothing but in prayer, but everything by prayer and supplication with, thanks, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So first of all, when you pray, you bring God, here's my problems. Here's what I'm facing. I'm not too sure how to handle this. Sometimes before we even say anything, maybe having a problem with a person or having problems with our kids or having problems with our boss or whatever the problem might be, maybe we just sort of muzzle our mouth toward those individuals and open our mouth toward God. And then say, look it, open God, here's, my, here's what I'm facing, God. Here's my anxiety, here's my stress, here's my levels, here's the things that's going on inside of me. I need to begin to say, how am I going to work through that? And maybe take that 10 count rule when you get angry or when circumstances take it a step back. But we press into Jesus by prayer. Come on. And, and you want to ask him God that, right? And don't be impatient when you're trying to work through the problem. Some of us are like, okay, we've got to deal it right now, get over it. Like, Get it done, right? Work through it. Suck it up. You know what I mean? Right? We have to be careful. Mary, you know, I, I think of Mary for a moment in the, in the family context. Remember, Jesus was there. The disciples were there. The mother of Jesus there. Moms have influence on their kids. I don't care what you say. They have influence, right? Mama's coming to the son. Remember, when she heard that she was be, be born, Jesus was going to be born in her, she said she pondered these things in her heart early on. She knew that Jesus was different. And, Jesus, and she knew who Jesus was as she's coming to Revelation. So she knew that Jesus could deal with the problem. And so she's pushing her influence a little bit, maybe. She's like, hey, mijo, come on. We're going to do this for mom. All right? You're going you're gonna to be able to, you know, he's, he's, he, he's beginning to say, look, they, they have no, no wine. But I see that as really her petitioning Jesus like prayer, right? He, he's coming to like, God, here's, here's the problem. I think that um, <coughs> timing is everything. Amen. Timing is everything, right? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. purpose. It, it, God, is, God is working out his plan here. We have to be patient as he's working out his plan as we're working through our problems. We're saying, God, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to teach me? What, try, what are you trying to do in the circumstance? What, what, what's your agenda here? God, God is, God's got this. We just can't be impatient about those things. You know, God can turn our failures, our poor decisions, our bad calls, and he can turn them for his good. He can do that. He, he always does that. And we have to trust Jesus is going to work it all out. I think of Genesis when God had, problem, problem, God had promised Abram, who later would be called Abraham, would have a son and he would be a father of of great nations and the multitudes. You remember the story? But he had no kids, right? And Sarah was going to have that child. And he was like 75 years old. 
And he's waiting for this promise and waiting for this promise. She, her, her womb was barren. She couldn't have a baby. She could, that was a problem for that culture. For not having a baby, you were like marked. Like you had sin or you, something's wrong with you. God, God's not blessing you. Your womb's not open. And 25 years ridicule about this. So Sarah wants to jump in, jump in and help the problem, right? Hey, we're going to help God along. So take your maidservant, Hagar, who he got out of Egypt, sleep with her and God will give us a child through her and then we'll be blessed of many nations. And so that's what Abraham did. Slept with the maidservant at Ishmael. That brought nightmare to the house. It brought division in the house. It brought trouble in the house. In fact, if you look at eventually, you know, you had, um, you had, uh, Abraham had Isaac through Sarah through the miracle. Ishmael was through this and you had two lineages. They split. One became a Jewish nation the other one became an Arab nation. And there's the conflict. It started first in the house. Why? Because they were impatient in the promise. They were impatient in their prayer. Guys, some of us are fixers, right? Do it yourself, right? And we want to fix everything right now. But maybe when you see you take a step back and what do you want to fix in this, Lord? Because maybe there's something in us that God needs to fix in order to fix the problem. Maybe something in us that God needs to change in order to change the situation, okay? And so we, we see that in the story. So don't be impatient when you're working through the problems. God's working that all out yet. And yet he says, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Mary wanted Jesus to show his power, but I love this. Woman, we think that's like a derogatory woman, like, a, like he's coming hard on his mom. It's actually a very enduring, respectful term. My woman, it's not my time yet. He's talking about it's not my time to really show who I am yet. I'm just, I'm just starting this game here, just starting the public ministry, but this isn't the moment yet of me showing what's going on here, right? He's giving me this loving rebuke. What are you doing? My time of revealing has not yet come. I think it was a, a polite rebuke to his mom a little bit. I th interesting, this word is the same word used by Jesus when speaking to his mother on the cross. Remember, he's on the cross, and John the Apostle's right there. He has Mary right there. Woman, behold your son. This is going to be your family, because I'm going to go. It's the same term used to Mary Magdalene after the on Resurrection Sunday when Jesus is resurrected. Woman, why are you weeping? Kind of a strong but polite thing. It's the same word used for that. Jesus saying, my hour is... Not yet come. He, he's referencing his death, burial, and resurrection. He's referencing that he's going to go to the cross. He's, he's referencing that he's come in the flesh and, and that uh, he would be glorified. He would glorify his father. He's referencing what's going to happen. Down. That, that moment is not yet. I got some work to do before this moment happens, and this is not the time to do what you want me to do. God's timing is everything. He's working it all out, right? We know that Jesus prays right before his death. He says, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may be glorified you. That moment is coming three years later. That that's going to happen. And so I want you, first of all, that you got to face the problem, not ignore it. Here's the second thing, guys. Problems teach us to walk by faith. Problems teach us to walk by faith. We see that in verses 5 through 10, Right? We know that this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, starting off his ministry. He's about 30 years old here at this point. We know that the Bible is broken up into two books. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? The Old Testament is about following, really following rules. You got the Ten Commandments. It's about legalism, rules, and, and all these different things. The New Testament is about grace, right? One is about law. The other is about liberty, but in, in both books, we read about a miracle of water. Moses turns the water to blood. You remember that when he comes to Pharaoh? Turns the water to blood. Come on, Ten Commandments. You're, you're okay, All right? It's about judgment on Pharaoh, okay? Jesus turns the water to wine. It's about joy. In fact, Jesus said, I, I've spoken these things and written these things. I've spoken these things that your joy might be full. It might be complete, right? We know that the, the, the scriptures encourage us that we are to, to, to walk by faith, not by sights. Guys, some of our problem psalms 
has to begin to walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, come on. Okay? This, this thing I'm facing, logically, there's no way I can overcome it. There's no way I'm going to get through it. It's just too big. It's, I don't have the resource. I don't know how to handle it. It might seem that way, but we don't walk by what we see. We walk by what we believe. Because if God is bigger than our problems, then it's going to be okay. But if God is not bigger than our problems, then it's not going to be okay. Because your problems will be bigger than you got if that's your theology, right? And so what is Mary doing here? What Mary's doing is she's, she says, faith is putting your trust in God's commands, right? His, his mother said to servant, verse 5, whatever he says to do, do it, right? She's, she said, listen, I know we, 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 we run out of wine. He's talking to servants. I know you guys are stressing. The catering business is stressing. Everything's not working the way you wanted. Whatever he says, do it. Guys, let's just live by that right there. Just go home. Let's drop the mic. Let's go home right there. Okay? Sermon done. Exit out. Whatever he says to do, do it. Just do it. Better than Nike. Okay? And so we, we see it here, right? In fact, these are the very last words of Mary spoken in the scriptures. Just do it. That's her last words you will read about. She's always pointing to Jesus. Guys, if we're counseling people, we just point them back to Jesus. Just do what he says. I, I don't know. Just do what he says. You know what I mean? It just works if you just do what he says. Okay. I can't explain how it happens, but just do what he says. That makes life really gospel real simple. All right. But we see Mary's faith displayed, right? You trust God's instructions, it will be worth your while. Just, just, just trust his words. He, you know, if you look at scriptures, there's always commands, but those commands are always with a promise. If you do this, this will happen. Jesus doesn't hide it. Just, just do what I say, and this is the blessing that will come. And, and sometimes what he asks you to do will make no logical sense whatsoever. It won't. It won't make no logical sense whatsoever, but you got to trust his word. There was a woman in the Old Testament. She had no money. CPS came out, her and her little boy, nothing to eat. She thought, she gonna, she thought they would take her son away because she had a debt. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to pay her bills. The man of God said, take your pots, fill them up, turn to oil, go sell the pots. She sold the pots of oil, paid off her debt, had enough to live on. Take the pots. Go do what I tell you to do. The man of God told her to do it, and she did. Remember Naaman, the Syrian commander who was in leprosy, wanted to be healed. She comes to Elijah and like, he, you know, he's Elijah. In fact, Elijah didn't even show up. He went through his servant to say, tell that prophet to go to the Jordan and dunk himself seven times. To a dirty water. And this Naaman is like, do you know who I am? I'm the commander of the army. Why can't I go to the nice water, the purified water, the clean water? You're sending me to the dirty Jordan. She, he didn't want to go. And the servant girl said, what do you got to lose? Go dunk yourself seven times in the dirty water. Come on, come on. And so Naaman did. And he got healed of leprosy. Yes, yes. Right? The blind man who Jesus came, took mud, spit on it, rubbed it together, put it on his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went, got healed. His problem. There are things that we're called to do. The scriptures command us that make no logical sense whatsoever. People are like, what are you doing? Why are you going to church on Sunday? Because in our culture, this is irrelevant. In our culture, this is not essential, what we do in the morning. But God says, if you do it, It'll all work out. Just do what he says. Yes, thank you, Just God. do what he says. You know, I think there's a command given in scriptures for us today that we can draw from. And that command, just to do it, is to believe. To believe. The Lord commanded Ezekiel to prophesy over the dry bones in Ezekiel 37 for physical restoration. Now, you know, they believe that's symbolic of Israel being restored again. But he said, prophesy over these bones for breath, right? He prophesied in these bones started getting like 
muscle and skin. And so it had this body growing right before him. That's what's happening. This dead bones came alive in a physical body. And he said, prophesy now and breathe. And it gave him life. And his body came alive. God did the same in our life. He prophesied over us. He spoke into our life. We were the dry bones. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And, he, and when we believed, he, he gave us life. He breathed life into us like he breathed life into the disciples in John chapter 20. He breathed the spirit into them. Maybe the first command to overcome your problems is the command to believe. To that you may have life and your body restored physically, spiritually, emotionally. God will heal that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says what? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own logic. Don't lean on that. You've, you've leaned on that all your life. And look where it got you. <laughs> the problems you're facing. And so we need to press into Jesus. And then guess what? Faith is following through on God's command. We know his command. We got to follow through on it. We believe and then we got to follow. Don't just believe, but you got to follow through on it, right? Now there was set, there were six water pots of stones according to the man of purification of the Jew containing 20 to 30 pieces a piece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Mentioned six purification pots, right? Containing between what? 20 and 30 gallons. That's 120 to 180 gallons of water, possibly, right? Purification pots are basically when people came into your house, they would wash your feet and your sandals. That's what the servants would do. They would wash you because you had dusty roads. So they come in and, and when they came to eat, they would purify their hand, wash you. Guys, it's the same thing when we go before dinner, we wash your hands before we go eat. You tell your kids, go wash your hands before you eat. I hope you do. You know what I mean? You wash your hands before you cook, right? You, my wife gets, hey, I wash your hands. That's the same thing, the purification. They did the same thing. That's where we get it from. Just the cleaning of our hands, right? But then he gave some instructions. But notice the instructions that he gave. He didn't give the whole plan all at once. He gave it step by step by step. That's how God works. Are you going to obey me the first time? Okay, you do obey me here. Here's the next step. You're going to obey me in the next step? You're going to obey me in the next step? God never gives the full faith. He just wants to know if you're going to be obedient to what I commanded you to do to get through your problems. And so we see kind of a step-by-step -step thing that he takes the servants through, right? What's the first step? Fill up the water pots. Labor a little bit. Fill up the pots to the brim. I want you to catch that. Because we could have an attitude in our obedience, right? Ah, man, Lord, lugging six pots, 30, you know, carrying it. And those things are heavy, man. Do you ever carry water, water jugs? They're heavy, and you got to fill them up and bring them back? Well, let's just do half. It'll be easier to carry. Let's be half-hearted in what we're obeying. obeying. No, he says, fill it to the bread. And what? They never questioned him, and they never argued with him. They didn't do anything. They just did the work, the labor, the labor of love. We, gotta, we do this right, and they got full measure. Full measure. They brought it to Jesus. Guys, our first step is we're just laboring, and the Lord, we're trusting him, okay? Here's the second thing, right? says, now draw, here's the sea command, now take, draw the water and take it to the headmaster. Take out the water, and they took it, they took it by faith, they scooped it in by faith. They're obeying as he's instructed. Sometimes in our problems, okay, Lord, this is my next step. Okay, what's my next step? What's my step, next step, Lord? And they took it, and they took it by faith to the headmaster. Now, some believe as soon as they took it and scooped it, that as they were going, it turned to wine. You remember when the 10 lepers were, came to Jesus, and he said, go to the priest. And as they turned to go to the priest, they were healed of their leprosy. Can you imagine what their skin and body would look like? And then also in your head, <laughs> things start happening in your body. Can you imagine? I don't know what they, when they scooped out that water and they're walking to the head, I'd like, hey, this was clear. Now it's dark. <laughs> right? Think about that for a moment. Guys, we don't think about the, what the scenario could look like at this wedding. As they're carrying the water, right? The water turned to wine as they trusted Jesus at his words. Hmm. It took a little faith on the service because what if they didn't turn to wine? What if they just went and didn't turn to wine? I was looking more at our being. I remember there's a story. 
when we used to do ministry at um, at the hotels, and uh, there was a guy in a wheelchair, and the Lord spoke to me and said, "Go pray for healing over that guy." And I'm like, "Why, Lord?" <laughs> like, and I had a conversation with the Lord. What if he doesn't get healed? If I go pray and he doesn't get healed, I'm just telling you to go pray for healing for him. So I said, all right. So I walked up to the guy and I said, man, this might sound strange, but I feel like the Lord's telling me to pray over you for your healing for your legs because he's in a wheelchair. He's looking at me like, okay. <laughs> and I prayed over him. I prayed for healing and he didn't get healed. Did Lord fail me? Maybe for me, it was, would you obey in spite of your reputation Despite of what people think, despite of what all that is, will you still obey me? Do you still obey me in spite of it works out or not? Awake? Do you still see me as God? And here they took the, the cup and they bring it to the, the master. And then thirdly, notice the patience and the practice of faith because a miracle took place as they were walking, because they were walking by faith. Jesus wants our cooperation. <laughs> he wants our cooperation, Right? Why? Because we are God's vessels. We are God's vessels. He's filled us up with his living world. He's sanctified us with his word, the washing water through the word. He's filled us up with his spirit that we might have living water flowing, overflowing, right? He's filled us up to be vessels to carry out his mission, to share about the miracle worker, because some plant, some water, but God does the miracle work. Then yes, yes. faith is bearing a good testimony in your problems. Look at 9 and 10. And when the master of the feast had tested the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but where the servants who had drawn the water, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said, every man at the beginning set out the good wine and when the guests have all drank, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Mm. I love this. Jesus revealed himself to the lowly of heart, to the poor servants. They knew what had happened, right? When Jesus came, it was born in a stable. Angels went to the shepherds, not to the kings, and revealed the king who was born. We, we see that, right? Miracles happen daily around us and not everybody see it. Miracle was happening in the wedding and the guests didn't see it. Only the servants understood it. Only the servants saw it. Because the custom was to put the best wine out first and drink the cheap wine, <laughs> right? But they, were, they came back the good wine. You know, not the Thunderbird. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about? Well, come on. Okay? The cheap 99 cent wine bottle. Okay? He brought out, he brought out the good stuff at the end because it was the best stuff. I know you're thinking, oh, partner, on that one. You know, they had been drinking because it says in the scriptures that they were, they have drank, drank well. They were well drinking and they were drinking, they were, you know, drinking, uh, they were partying. Now, Jesus is not condoning drinking alcohol because he does this at a party. In fact, um, you know, he, he's going to bring a, a miracle in, in, in everyday culture. <laughs> there was this homeless man who came to the church and he had a brown bag and people were smiling, kind of smiled a little bit. And the, the, one of the ushers said, what do, you, what do you got in the bag? Oh, just drinking water. Oh, really? Okay. And so they go on to service. And he's smiling, he can smell like, man, it smells like wine. So he goes there and goes, what do you got in there? He smells like, this is not water, it's wine. He goes, oh my gosh, he did it again. Listen, listen. Drunkenness is looked down in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but he's not really coming down on wine. In fact, um, he tells young Paul, tells young Timothy when he had an ulcer and upset stomach, drink a little bit of wine. That's what he did. He's not, he's, he says, you know, the issues of alcohol in our culture, people drink wine with their meals or whatever. He wasn't ever coming down, but he, he always addressed the issues of alcohol abuse. And we know there's a problem with alcohol. We read articles, papers, people being killed by drunk drivers. There, there's a problem of that abuse. 
Each of you have your own convictions on how you live that out. I'm not here to tell you how to live that conviction out as it relates to alcohol. I have my, my own uh, convictions, right? I have to be careful as a pastor that I'm not a stumbling block to those who struggle with alcohol. Come on, come on, come on. So number one is I, I don't drink. I'm, I, okay, I'm going to confess. I might have champagne at a wedding, a little sip at the toast or something. I'm not going to lie. But, but the reality is I, I, I personally don't really drink because I don't want to be a stumbling block to you that struggle to that. I don't want to say, well, Pastor P's 40 ouncing on the corner. <laughs> must be okay. Ground bagging it. Okay? So, so, hey, they got this on video, right? I guess just, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to be a stumbling block to those that are struggling with, with those very issues that are going on there, right? But also, I know that, guys, in our culture, it's legal for us to go buy alcohol. We go down and buy alcohol. Here's another thing. It's illegal for us now to go buy marijuana. And people are doing it in the church. My challenge to you is just because it's legal, it's not beneficial. Amen. There are a lot of things that are legal but not profitable. Amen. Uh, you know what I mean? So I just want to challenge you with the reasons why you're doing that. Right? The reasons why. You do what you do and process those things. And how does it honor and glorify God in the things that you do and, and the idea? I'm not here to throw stones. Don't get me wrong. Man, I've sit with, I have pastors that drink wine. I have no, I'm not, that doesn't stumble me. But I don't want to stumble you with those very things as it relates to that. I think of Jesus. Well, Jesus was out of, he must have drank. But then I think of the words of Luke chapter 22, 18. He says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just want to throw that out because we have issues in our culture. We have AA programs and celebrate recovery because people can handle their liquor. Say it again. <laughs> people can't handle their liquor. <laughs> but let me throw this out to you. Jesus is the new wine. Amen. Okay, Jesus is the new wine, right? And wine gets better in age. And this was a new age, and Jesus is the new wine. He came to complete the law because you can't put the old wine into the new wineskins. He, he brought something new because the Father kept the best for last. And then he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in the vine and chew by much fruit. I know I'm going along here this morning, but it's all good. Here's the last thing, guys. Problems are used to reveal God's power and strengthen our faith and your faith. Uh, you know, we just got back um, from Hawaii and we were walking around the shops and there was a Louis Vuitton shop, right? And they, the bag, you see the bags there? And I'm like, dang, these bags are like expensive. Like, purses are like $1,000. Like, wh why are they so expensive? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, if you put it on, you get healed or what? You, like, you know, like your, 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 you know, your financial report goes up, your stock goes up, well, what's up with this bag? And so I'm like, why? And he goes, it's valuable because it has the designer's name on it. And the designer's name is what makes it valuable. Listen, by faith, you got the designer's name on you. And he's made, and he's made you valuable. He's made you valuable, right? And because he's made you valuable, he's manifested his power through you. As Jesus is going to manifest his power in this situation here. Look, in the beginning of the signs that Jesus, not, Jesus did in Cain and Galilee, it manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. And after this, he went to Capernaum, and he and his mother, brothers, and disciples did not stay there many days. This is the beginning of the signs. He says, in the third day, right? The third day, that's a very interesting phrase, Right? God was glorified after the third day at the resurrection, right? He's, he was glorified. And what he's doing here, he's manifesting his, and revealing and showing his glory and his power to the servants. Not so much to the larger crowd. We know that the word became flesh in chapter one and in chapter now we see the manifestation of his power. He made known his power, his magnificence, his excellency, preeminence to the servants. So God manifests his glory. How did God manifest his glory? By transforming our lives. Amen. By changing, changing us. Some of you were like 
the men in the Gadarenes, for those who know the story where Jesus went in the man in the caves who was out of his mind, chained. They chained him because they couldn't control him. And he was so crazy, he would howl at night, cut himself up, use himself, break chains, and nobody could contain him until Jesus came on the scenes and healed him. Some of you fought with God. Some of you fought with the law. Some of you fought with everything. Fought with your parents. You just wouldn't, wouldn't be contained, wouldn't be controlled, wouldn't be anything. All of a sudden, God got a hold of you transformed you, changed you. Mm. You were dead like Lazarus, but he made you alive. He resurrected your life. That's how God manifests his power today and his glory. His glory is seen in this room by every one of you (laughs) and what he's doing in your life. And like the master of the feast, I don't know how you did the best thing. And your friends are like, I don't know what happened to you, but you are different than what you used to be. Mm. And because of that, because of the miracle, it strengthened the disciples' faith. Let me tell you something, why, why you're here is important and why you're serving is important and why your ministry is important. Because you get to see the miracles of God and it's just strengthening your faith. It's building your faith. And when it says it's strengthening the disciples' faith, we go through the gospel of John, there's all these things that Jesus does and says, man, it strengthens the disciples' faith. It strengthens the disciples' faith. It strengthens the disciples' faith. When they resurrected life, he goes, I, I waited three days so I could strengthen the disciples' faith. Your problems are there to strengthen your faith. Do you really believe this? Do you really believe this word? Do you believe, really believe who I am? Or are you playing games with me? That's what he's saying. He's saying, look it, I want you to go it so I can reveal myself to you. That can strengthen your faith. So you went from the good wine to the best wine. Because God has changed us. And it says they just went down to Capernaum. They hiked down 16 miles to the next site because the gospel is always moving. And this is the beginning of the public ministry. And the gospel will never stop moving. And we'll continue on next week in the story. Let me leave you with these three thoughts. Problems. Problems are to be faced and not ignored, guys. We got to face them. Problems teach us to, to walk by faith how to walk with God day to day. Problems are used for God's glory and for strengthening in our faith. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. And Lord, I pray for your people, Lord, whatever they may be going through, Lord, I know that what was meant for evil, God will turn it for good. And so we thank you and we praise you and we honor you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.